listening to the Positive Professional Podcast with your host, me, Tracy Yvonne. This podcast is a weekly conversation about all things mental health, self-care, and wellness. And there'll be sprinkles of positivity, mindfulness, and guided meditations. Welcome back to Season 5, Episode 2. Today I'm going to delve into a critical yet often overlooked issue in professional environments, workplace bullying and its profound impact on mental health. My exploration is partly inspired by the unfortunate experiences of Dr. Kendia Bailey at Lincoln University. And while I'll share and discuss a little bit of her story, my focus will extend on the broader topic of how workplace bullying can deeply affect individuals and what measures can be taken to address this pervasive issue. By now, we've all seen from various reputable news outlets and social media sources that Dr. Candia Bailey's experience at Lincoln University serves as a stark example of workplace bullying and its effect on one's mental health. Dr. Kendia Bailey was transparent with her struggles with her mental health. She asked for help and on January 8th, died by suicide. As a point of transparency, there are three things that Dr. Kendia Bailey and I have in common. I am an African-American woman. I am a proud member of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated and I have experienced workplace bullying in higher education and in public school settings. This episode will discuss the systemic issues that can arise in these settings where power dynamics and lack of accountability can lead to detrimental experiences of those being bullied. So what is workplace bullying? Workplace bullying refers to repeated physical and mental health harming mistreatment of one or more persons by one or more perpetrators in a work setting. It is a form of abusive behavior that can include both verbal and nonverbal actions. Workplace bullying can be manifested in various forms, including but not limited to verbal abuse, and this includes yelling, using harsh or offensive language, gossiping, ridiculing, and sarcastic comments directed at a target. Social isolation. The bully might exclude the target from meetings, discussions, or social events, effectively isolating them from their peers and networks. Intimidation. This can involve threatening behavior, such as standing too close, displaying aggressive gestures, or invading personal space in a manner that makes the target feel uncomfortable or scared. Undermining work. The bully might deliberately undermine the target's work by setting unrealistic deadlines, constantly changing project goals, or withholding necessary information. Overwork. Imposing excessive workloads or unreasonable deadlines that set the target up for failure. Humiliation. Publicly shaming or belittling the target, often in front of colleagues to erode their self-confidence. Sabotage, intentionally interfering with the target's work or career progression, such as spreading rumors, 
falsely accusing them of errors or stealing credit for their work. In extreme cases, bullying may escalate to physical violence, though this is less common in professional settings. There's also cyberbullying, which is using digital platforms like emails, social media, or messaging apps to harass, intimidate, or belittle the target. And unfair evaluations. That's consistently providing unjustly negative job evaluations or feedback, often without substantial evidence or justification. Workplace bullying can have significant and far-reaching effects on one's individual's mental health. These effects vary depending on the severity and duration of the bullying, as well as the individual's personal resilience and support systems. Continuous exposure to bullying can lead to chronic stress and heightened anxiety levels. This can manifest as constant worry, fear, feelings of dread, or panic attacks. Victims of workplace bullying often experience sadness, hopelessness, and lack of interest in activities they once enjoyed. In severe cases, this can lead into clinical depression. Regular criticism, humiliation, or undermining one's work can lead to a significant drop in self-esteem and self-confidence. In extreme cases, especially where bullying is intense and prolonged, individuals may develop symptoms of PTSD, such as flashbacks, nightmares, and severe anxiety. The mental stress of bullying can manifest physically, resulting in symptoms like headaches, stomach issues, and other stress-related ailments. And the ongoing stress and emotional turmoil can negatively impact concentration, decision-making, and overall performance. Victims of workplace bullying may withdraw from social interactions both in and outside of work, which can exacerbate feelings of loneliness and isolation. In some cases, individuals may turn to alcohol, drugs, or other substances as coping mechanism. And in the case of Dr. Candia Bailey, in severe situations, the distress caused by workplace bullying can lead to suicidal ideations or attempts. So I'm going to share more in the next segment. Traditional hierarchical structures in workplace and academic institutions often lead to power imbalances due to their inherent design and the dynamics they create. In traditional hierarchies, decisions are typically made by those at the top levels and passed down. This can limit input from lower-level employees, fostering a sense of powerlessness and a lack of agency. 
Power is often concentrated in the hands of a few individuals at the higher top, and this can include executives and corporations, deans or department heads in academia. This can lead to situations where those individuals have disproportionate control over resources, opportunities, and decisions affecting others. Hierarchical structures can inhibit horizontal communications between departments or teams leading to silos. This lack of communication can exacerbate power imbalances as it reduces transparency and the flow of information. In many hierarchical systems, promotions and career advancements depend heavily on recommendations or approvals from superiors. This can create a dynamic where employees feel obligated to conform to their superiors' expectations, sometimes at the expense of their value or well-being. The fear of retaliation from those higher up on the hierarchy can discourage individuals from speaking out against injustices or providing honest feedback. This fear can perpetuate a culture where abusive or unfair practices go unchallenged. And several members in the hierarchical systems often act as gatekeepers for opportunities like funding, prestigious projects, or advanced courses. This can lead to favoritism or nepotism where only those who are in favor with the gatekeepers receive opportunities. Hierarchical structures can be resistant to change, especially when those at the top benefit from maintaining the status quo. This resistance can hinder efforts to address power imbalances and create a more equitable systems. Traditional hierarchies often perpetuate a culture that values authority and status over collaboration and equality. This cultural aspect can reinforce power imbalances by valuing the opinions and needs of those at the top over those lower in the hierarchy. And in some hierarchical organizations, there are limited mechanisms for low-level employees to provide feedback or critique decisions made by those in power. And this is really about limiting checks and balances. And significantly in academia, the tenure system can contribute to power imbalances. Tenured professors may have significant power in job security, which can sometimes lead to abuses of power or reluctance to address problematic behaviors. Now, there are ways where you can seek support if you're dealing with mental health in the workplace. And accommodations for mental health under the Americans with Disabilities Act, also known as the ADA, are designed to help individuals with mental health conditions to perform their jobs effectively. I'm going to give examples of some. The first one is flexible scheduling. Adjustments to work schedules can be made to accommodate therapy appointments or periods of decreased productivity due to symptoms. Allowing telecommuting can be beneficial for those who might experience anxiety in a traditional office environment or a need for quieter, more controlled workspace. Additional or longer breaks may be helpful for individuals with mental health conditions to manage their symptoms throughout the day. There could also be job restructuring, and this could involve reassigning non-essential job functions that are particularly stressful or difficult for the employee. In some cases, the presence of a support animal can be an effective accommodation. 
Providing a workspace that is away from loud noises or frequent interruptions can help employees who have difficulty concentrating or are easily overwhelmed. For those who struggle with memory or concentration, providing written instructions or reminders can be helpful. Regular check-ins or feedback sessions can help in addressing any work-related concerns and ensuring that the employee feels supported. Access to mental health professionals or peer support programs through the workplace can be beneficial. And part of this is also training for supervisors. Educating supervisors about mental health conditions and how to effectively support employees with these conditions. It's important to note that accommodations should be tailored to the individual's specific needs and the nature of their job. Additionally, the process of requesting and implementing accommodations is a collaborative one between the employee, the employer, and sometimes a healthcare professional. Employers are required to provide reasonable accommodations unless doing so would cause undue hardships to the organization. And in those instances, they are to put that in writing. Now, combating workplace bullying and stress requires a multifaceted approach. Understanding bullying is about recognizing the forms of bullying, as I discussed in the first segment. It's important to keep a detailed record of bullying incidents, dates, times, what was said or done, and any witnesses. When we're talking about personal coping strategies in reference to stress management, it's important to engage in activities that reduce stress like exercise, meditation, or hobbies. Share your experiences with trusted colleagues, friends, or family, and consider counseling or therapy to cope with emotional support. It's important to address mental health concerns and thoughts of suicide with care and compassion. If you or someone you know is struggling, there are several resources available for support. The National Suicide Prevention Lifeline in the United States is a 24-7 service providing free and confidential support for people in distress, as well as prevention and crisis resources, and you can call them at 988. The Crisis Text Line, for those who prefer texting, is a service that connects texters with trained crisis counselors. In the United States, you text HELLO to 741-741. The service is available 24-7 and is confidential. Many counties have local mental health services, including counseling and therapy. These can often be found through a simple internet search or by contacting a local health care provider. Online resources and forums, such as the National Institute on Mental Health, also provides resources, information, and a support for the community. If possible, talking to a doctor, psychiatrist, or therapist can provide professional guidance and treatment options. And again, joining a support group, either in person or online, can provide a sense of community and shared experience that is helpful for many. My call to action for anyone that is in a position of power or is supervising in a academia or workplace setting. Be sure to raise awareness. Educate employees about what constitute workplace bullying, its effects, and why it's unacceptable. And this can be done through workshops, seminars, or informational materials. Develop 
and enforce a clear policy against bullying. This policy should define what is bullying, outline the procedures for reporting, and specify the consequences for those who engage in bullying behavior. Create a safe and confidential process for employees to report bullying. Ensure that employees understand that their concerns will be taken seriously and that there will be no retaliation for reporting. And promote a positive workplace culture. Foster an inclusive and respective workplace. This can be achieved through team building activities, recognition of positive behaviors, and leadership that models respectful behavior. Also, regularly assess the work environment to identify any patterns or areas where bullying might be more prevalent and take a proactive measures to address these issues. Remember, creating a workplace free of bullying is an ongoing process that requires the commitment of everyone in the organization, from top management to every employee. Dr. Candia Bailey's death could have been prevented if she would have received the respect and support she rightfully deserved. People in positions of power in the workplace must do better. Thanks for listening and supporting this podcast. And make sure you're clicking the like and subscribe button. You can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram. Stay safe, be well, And don't forget to be the best version of you.